Whether on the go or at the table, get lost in a conversation about everything coffee with your host, Eric Ortiz. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Everything Coffee, a podcast that delves into the relationship of coffee with a variety of people from manufacturers, cafe owners, coffee roasters, social media personalities, and so much more. This podcast takes on a deep conversation about everything coffee. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Pernicato, head of community and product education, Flair Espresso, starting his love of coffee as a home barista and coffee roaster for more than two decades. Soon, the passion evolved into his own YouTube channel focused on reviews and guides for coffee lovers. During that same time, and it uh, came a successful Kickstarter campaign. You might have heard of it. In November 2016, it's launched the Flair Espresso Maker. Started by Sergio Landau, founder and engineer, and a limited team, it was only a matter of time that Andrew joined that team as well. With a background in social media branding, Andrew's experience made him a great fit for a head of community and education of Flair Espresso. And since Andrew has been one of the driving forces of Flair joining as an employee, working social media, product education and support, and the face of Flair. You can visit Flair Espresso at flairespresso.com, Instagram, Flair Espresso Maker, and on YouTube at Flair Espresso. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrew to the podcast. Andrew, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm good. Thanks. Uh, how are you doing, Eric? I, I am good. We, we're, we're both mountain uh, standard time boys here, it seems. You're, you're, uh, you're in that mountain time zone. I'm, I'm here uh, in, in beautiful El Paso, Texas, the only city, by the way, that has the mountain time. Everyone's always like, oh, it's central. <laughs> like, no, no, it's not. How's everything for you? How's, how's life for Flair? How's, how's it going? Oh, busy as usual. I don't know if you uh, pay attention to uh, the trade shows, but this is kind of that busy season. We, we did Boston uh, back in April, and then we all were out, the team, the small team anyways, for uh, marketing was out in Milan, Italy, uh, for a world of coffee. So, yeah, I think it feels like it's been a whirlwind, and they all sort of blend together. Uh, so going over there, the different time zones, uh, dealing with the jet lag, and, and just kind of getting back, uh, decompressing from uh, the week and all that. So things are good, uh, getting, our, getting our heads back into the game and back on the grandstone working. Absolutely. I, I, I'm curious, uh, Andrew, I, I, uh, from the standpoint of, of obviously being – American U.S. citizen seeing Flair more here. What's the take of Flair in, in the European market? Yeah, that's uh, it, it's it's a mix of things. In fact, uh, Italy is an interesting place for us because it is, as you know, the birthplace of espresso and lever machines, and so that's what we have. And yet, uh, we haven't seen the uptake yet in Italy. Uh, so there are some markets that are surprising. You know, we we're doing well in UK. Uh, starting to get into the the Nordic countries, uh, Germany. We've we've had a partner there for quite a while. In fact, almost as long as we've been in business. Um, and France has been really good for us too. So we're we're trying to to build out a partner network over there, um, and that that's part of why we go to the world of coffee and and hopefully meeting some new uh, some new partners. We did get some pretty good leads and uh, kind of working those through right now. Hopefully. Getting ourselves, you know, I think with Instagram, the, the beauty of that is you get a presence uh, and exposure across the world. It sort of transcends boundaries and borders. However, uh, it's still quite costly uh, to get products, you know, if they try to order direct from us. So we're, we're definitely trying to build a, a network out there and make it easier for people that have, that know about us, have been wanting to try us, but just uh, currently don't have 
a, a local um, reseller in their in their market in their area. Well, wow. oh. uh, I'm curious. I, you know, I, Flair has that feel to me. Um, having seen it so often on social media, having the reputation it has, it feels like it's been around for such a long time. To be honest with you. But yet, it's only been really since 2016 when the, the Kickstarter started. And, and you weren't part of that, but then you joined a little bit after that, uh, joining the team there. Um, and, and it really just, just took off. And now it seems that uh, there's been just this, this hype. And, and, and we'll talk about the products itself uh, right now. And we'll talk about my own experience as well uh, with the Flare 58. Um, but, but what has been this whirlwind for, for Flare itself? How, how's it all taken off? Oh, that's a lot to unpack. I would say, like you said, um, you know, a lot of people have seen the product, but it's an internet only business. At least uh, for us, we don't sell in brick and mortar and many of our partners do not as well. There's, there's uh, some cases where they do. So for a lot of people, they, they, you know, and that's one of the first questions I ask when someone shows up at our trade show booth or one of the festival booths is, you know, have you seen Flair before? Are you aware of the product? And, and usually most of them, when we first started, it was like, no, never seen this before. What is this thing? You know, and like, it, it's funny because it's elemental, it's a lever, and yet it, it still looks a little bit strange, a little foreign, um, because it's so Spartan, so so bare, so devoid of, of uh, yeah, the bulk of, uh, of a traditional espresso machine. But nowadays, the answer is almost always yes. I've seen it. I've been wanting to try it. I want to, you know, see it myself or taste some espresso from it. So trying to figure out how to get our products into the hands of more people uh, and into places where they can be uh, demonstrated because, you know, sometimes people are like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it makes espresso. It, it can't make good espresso. It's just it, for whatever reason, they, they have a hard time wrapping their head around, you know, such a simple machine or, or um, you know, mechanism doing that. And so, yeah, trying to figure out how to get more people uh, to have some experience in these trade shows have been good, but those are generally uh, B2B as opposed to B2C. So festivals are a good opportunity. One of the, the coolest things we did there in Milan was actually after hours, we had a competition. It was our first, I guess our, you could say our inaugural uh, competition with a flair. We had, I think, oh, I'm trying to remember, maybe 12 contestants. Um, and we had with Commandante Grinders and our manual espresso makers and pretty much everybody that competed had never touched, never seen a flare, you know, in person, all just kind of YouTube stuff and Instagram. And so it was really cool to see everybody like trying to figure it all out, like on, in the moment and competing at the same time. Uh, and it was great to see actually a lot of them really did did well with that. In fact, the, the, uh, probably the highlight was the winner of the competition wasn't even a barista. She, she says she's had no experience in coffee, uh, personally. And, you know, so espresso, some people would say espresso is hard, right? Like, and then you throw in like a manual machine where you can't just push a button and let the machine do it for you. You have to actually modulate the pressure, uh, you know, and control things, in, in a bigger way than, than the super automatics. And yet she, she crushed the competition. So it was cool to see someone, uh, you know, most of them had no experience at all with the flair, but this is a person that didn't even know how to make espresso before and she slayed it. Uh, so, and I'll tell you, I, I having used the machine and I had not used it prior and in full disclosure, flair sent me uh, a demo, not, not to keep, not to anything. It's, it's, it's being sent back. I'm, I'm using it. I'm getting accustomed to it. Um, it. It is a unique experience. I will tell you that. Uh, 
I, I've owned a lot of uh, machines in my past, um, and this is the most unique uh, experience I've ever had. It's very, very visceral. Um, you you get that reaction of pulling a shot, and you can feel it. And it's it's just something that I can't explain. And I wish a lot of people that have never actually used it and, and don't necessarily understand how it works can can really try it because it it really is such a a, a strange uh, feel to see it kind of come come through it and kind of an accomplishment also. Every time I pull a shot with it, Andrew, I'm, I'm always kind of like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." You know, I'm, I'm always kind of thrown back by it. And not only that, but it's making some some amazing shots. Um, some shots that, I, and and I also have a dual boiler Breville, and and I, I'm not getting some of these flavors even with that. I almost you're able to kind of almost do a little pressure profiling. Uh, just based off of your own your own movement, um, so I can see how that that competition winner got got through without having experience because it's just that easy. But also, there's so much more to it. I'm curious. I, I know that there's competitions out there nowadays for like AeroPress. Is has there been anyone that does something like unique with with a, a flare product that that changes a recipe or, or does something strange with it? <laughs> so funny you should ask. But first, let me just say that's awesome to hear uh, your experience. And and I do agree, like there's a certain intuition and you keep using the word feel and you definitely do, right? You you have to feel it. And we, we joke about using the force. And, and I think some some way, like the reason why she she crushed it is because she didn't come with any preconceptions and she was really trying to connect with the with the device, with the with the machine and and feel her way through it. Whereas and I'll be interested to hear later on uh, when we get there, like your experience and some of the challenges you you found, because we've we've seen that actually those people that might be most familiar with, uh, you know, making espresso with a 58 you know millimeter basket on a commercial or semi-commercial or prosumer machine are the ones that struggle the most because there is quite a bit of nuances and things that you have to, you have to feel, you have to into it and they're, they're used to having success with, with whatever it is that they use at, say, the cafe as a barista or at home, like you with the Breville uh, du Boiler. And it's not one-to-one completely. Like you assume like, oh, whatever I was using, if I'm using the same basket uh, and the same dose and the same coffee over here on this machine, will I be able to just pull it uh, the same way? And, and one, one thing that they quickly find out, especially with the 58, and as you know, we have five different products and they're all, they're all um, different in, in, in capacities and size of baskets and such. But with the 58, uh, which is the most familiar, I would say, to the barista and someone like yourself, they'll find that they have to grind a lot finer. And they'll also find that the shot will flow a lot faster and generally on the 58 uh, because, you know, the way that the, um, the water sits, that column of water sits on the puck, the moment you fill the chamber and you lift the, the valve, you have the valve plunger. So when you lift and you put the water there, uh, Any time that you're spending, I don't know, um, some people take a little bit of time between when they add the water to when they start to pull and you're pre-wetting and your water's getting in and then you do a slow ramp and you're slow ramping and and that water goes right into the puck. Uh, it's not, you know, like headspace that needs to be filled the way that a, a normal machine would do, like a pump machine with a rotary, where it's it's got to fill that headspace. You've got to displace the air that was there. Uh, and there's there's different mechanics going on, and, and generally they also come in with a lot more pressure. So they kind of slam the puck, and say nine bars, maybe ten, maybe even more with certain machines. When you slam the puck, you're not going to get the water through that puck as quickly, um, in the same way as with like 
when that calm water sits there and starts to saturate. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things I would say that, that somebody who has experience will find a little bit more uh, challenge or struggle because they're trying to just make whatever works on that other machine work over on the 58. And, and you know how it is like you kind of bang your head against the wall. Like I know this works over here. It should work here and it won't. And instead of just going back to the basics and, and what you learned about espresso theory and starting from scratch, they, they, they kind of want to make whatever it is they learned or understand work. And you have to go back and, and work from the bottom up. And so someone like that, um, that person that won the competition, she didn't have any preconceived understandings or notions or how it's supposed to work. And she just kind of felt her way through it. So, wow, I got, I got off on a tangent. No, 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 you're, you're good. I I mean, it's, it's like I said, I I wish people could uh, experience it themselves because it really isn't anything like some of the videos show it. It's, it's such a strange feeling. I've seen some of your reviews and, and actually like the product demonstration and I, I like the, the, you know, the, the gentle pressure you're placing, but it's also kind of a, you're understanding how your own body's kind of moving to, to the, mm-hmm. to the product. So you're, mm-hmm. you're feeling it. And, and I think that's the whole idea where you can't just slam onto it and think that it's just going to work out the way it's going to. It's, it's, it's just not, uh, I've seen YouTubers using the product as well, being like, like, if you're just not careful, all of a sudden you're just going to shoot a hole right through that, that bed. Uh, because you put too much pressure, so you really got a gauge, and, and you're looking at the gauge as well for those that that have that, that part of it, um, and and it's just such a cool thing because you're trying to kind of start off with a little slow drip and building up that pressure, and before you know it, here you are, and and, and you're making some pretty darn good uh, espresso. So um, I any kind of error I've made, I will say this: it's not been because of the product. <laughs> I have made quite the mess a couple of times where I've been like, you're such a dummy because I, I just totally realize the workflow is, is so different. So you're, you're absolutely right. Someone that might not be doing this uh, routinely and someone like myself that you know, I just push a button and, you know, here we go. Um, this is such a, a different routine, but it's not so much more where it's not, you know, cumbersome or something on nature. It feels natural to fill it up. Um, it, it's, it's getting heated up as well with the element in there, which gets hot so fast, by the way, mm. I, I am so impressed by how hot that gets. Um, and, and I've seen those, those temperatures that's supposed to hit and I have it to max for mine. Um, but I, I'm just, just floored by it, Andrew. I, I really am. I, I've never used it. I really like it. It, it, it looks pretty cool too. I admit it. it it's, it's not as uh, small as it sometimes looks, but then it kind of, minimizes itself once it's kind of uh not in use and you don't have the lever up so yeah uh, it's, it's kind down. of yeah it's kind of an interesting <laughs> product what what is the, the the flagship for for flare is, is it the 58 yeah, or it. the eight? the 58 yeah it was the pro 2 prior to the 58 but now it's the 58 um i'm sorry what was that <laughs> i'm pretty sure i didn't answer your question at all the the one that you led with and then i got sidetracked if I, uh, oh, I, 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 I don't, I don't even know, Andrew. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm <laughs> just floored it. by it. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, okay. the, I think the question I had was, was, has anyone done anything unique with the oh, flare? Yes. Like, you know, how there's yes. the Aeropress competitions. Okay, so um, there was, there was a Barista League uh, that used the product, used a 58. They sent it out in season. Oh, I won't remember the num- the season. It was, 
it was maybe season two or three or something. Uh, but they, they basically sent their contestants to 58. And one of the, the challenges was make espresso with something other than water. <laughs> and uh, because, you know, and that's kind of the beauty of, of the product of these open boilers is you can put whatever you want through them. And you don't have to worry about like gumming up the, the pipes. Uh, well, to some extent. right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so the pressure gauge itself. Uh, you know, it senses pressure because there's a, uh, basically a tube or a canal that goes up to the gauge. And so you could, you could get some stuff in there, but you can clean it out pretty quickly. But a normal machine, you know, like uh, with a reservoir and such, if you, if you were to put anything into there, it gets into these tubes where you'll never really access and clean through. So you have to be really concerned, especially if it's a boiler, you have to be worried about the type of water. And, and people that want to, um, you know, roll their own water, play with that, or play with something like the Lotus uh, product that uh, Lance Hedrick is a co-founder for, or Third Wave Water, or uh, any of the other ones, Peak Water, you know, people want to dial in like they dial in for their filters. And you can't really do that with an espresso machine uh, because you have to be careful with what goes in there because you also don't want that water sitting around. Uh, you can have some issues there. Uh, so the nice thing about these open boilers is you can pretty much put anything through them and um, there's there's not a risk of damaging the uh, the boilers or to have it cleaned out. So, anyways, this this uh, particular uh, series or episode was you know do what you can uh, make something cool. Some people were putting soda like Coca Cola. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to remember all the crazy stuff. Someone put oat milk in there. Um, oh wow. And, and it, and, and I, I wouldn't say poor, poor Lance. So Lance Hedrick had to be the judge for this. Oh, he, so, yeah, poor guy. He had to. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had to replicate all these recipes, and some of them, some of them uh, triggered a gag reflex. I think he said. Oh uh, no. And, and some not so much, uh, but I wouldn't say this was like award-winning espresso, but it was certainly a fun <laughs> exercise. And like, you know, what what can you do? How can you make you know? And, and, and try to balance between like the overall cup flavors and getting a good extraction. And, um, that was fun. So yeah, as far as like, they put some, they put some crazy stuff. So go check out the Brewster league, uh, look for the, the episodes with the flare 58 and, and see what some of the zany, uh, concoctions they came up with. Cause they had a, they had a lot of good fun. It was fun. For yeah. Us that to sounds like well. fun. That, that, that's, that sounds like a, a good time, but also horrible for Lance. Just yeah. horrible. <laughs> yeah, Poor I guy. knew what he signed himself up for until you <laughs> had, had to replicate the recipes and, uh, and stomach those. <laughs> Curious, Andrew, uh, now that the product's been out for, for some time, um, what's been the reaction to it? I, I know it's still growing around the world part of it, but how's the reaction to it still here where the market is a little bit more saturated with, with it? How 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 is like flair building up on a product that that doesn't necessarily lend itself to to big product changes or evolution? Well, I don't know if you'd say it doesn't lend itself to big you know because if you look at the the original we call it the classic now it's that yeah. uh, you know we've we've come we've come away is right so that didn't have a removable spout it didn't have a bottomless portafilter it didn't have a gauge it was a forty millimeter basket. Uh, it had, it was a, it was Spartan. It was, I mean, they're all kind of Spartan. I use that word, but, but generally speaking, we've, we've evolved and we've innovated and changed. We've went from that to the signature, from the signature to the pro, from the pro to the 58, where we included that, that, um, heating element, as you were talking about with the preheat system, which is mainly again, just to keep the unit, uh, temperature stable so that you can, 
Uh, you don't have to worry about the preheating like you would on the other standards. You have to make sure that you get the, the brew group up to temperature before you start to brew. Otherwise, you're going to dump a lot of temperature into that metal, right? If you start with cold, cold metal and then add the hot water. So the, we, I would say that there's there's still iteration and innovation that's going on um, with the product. But I think in general, I think with the 58, it it's probably, yeah, I think you won't see a whole lot in, of more innovation going on anytime soon because we feel like we've we've accomplished what we wanted and then with the neo that came later uh we wanted to offer you know espresso to everybody at every price point you know so the the neo started 125 and the 58 is uh 575 you can get the 58x without the electronics for four i think it's 85 um and that way anybody at any level with any grinder uh and any budget could you know, try their hands with espresso. And prior to, I would say the last several years for most, you know, for the most part, the last four to five years, there hasn't been a lot of good options under the 450, 500 price point for, for good quality espresso. And it's gotten a lot better uh, with companies like Breville and then all the other ones making, uh, you know, in our manual space as well. Um, but that's, that's been sort of the movement is to, to ensure that everybody with every means can get into espresso because most, most people think that espresso is real expensive to get it and to do it right. And I think that's been uh, a surprise for anyone. We, we get it all the time. People have like a linea mini uh, and, and they, you know, that's a uh, expensive. I forget what the cost is, but those are two, $3,000 and people. Sure. Have, no, uh, that's horribly yeah. pricey sometimes. <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm curious about that, Andrew, because, Obviously, it, it feels like it's been most recent. Uh, I know products have existed under that price mark, and and, and uh, Flair's been under that for, for a while now. Uh, and, and this is obviously a quality uh, piece of equipment. It, it is it is equipment. It is uh, long-lasting. I've seen people that, that uh, still review the original that still holds up to this point. I mean, it's made out of good material. Uh, it's, it's not cheap. Uh, if you get to see a 58 in person... Um, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to break on you. Let's just say that it's, it's steel. Uh, the, the handles are, are authentic. Um, the product just feels like durable. Um, but what do you think that, that, that movement has been, is it just been to tap into an, a market that that's been kind of like the, the Nespresso market that really hasn't really tried fresh coffee and, and maybe, you know, that's the reason why these little machines show up at, at the price points. And then, is that where Flair's trying to tap into, or is it, is it trying to tap into the uh, the big market of of you know you've tried it now with a machine that's two three thousand, but have you tried it from a machine that's you know five hundred to six hundred dollars? Hmm. Um, I would say so. You know, you've you've seen the robot that's uh, from Cafe Lot, and that's modeled on a manual machine, uh, manual maker from. Man, 40s or 60s. So it's not like this is uh, like manual manual makers are a new product. Uh, it's just they kind of ebb and flow and come and go. Uh, I feel like there's something ever, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that? A um, help me with that. Uh, you know, a renaissance of sorts. Sure. A, a new, like another another. It, it's coming back into fashion and popularity. There was the rock that's been around for 15 years, I think, and and they sort of enjoyed that category and that space by themselves for quite a while. And then the last five to 10 years, it's been quite a few new entries that have jumped in. And I'm not quite sure why the ebb and flow happens and why now again, it's, it's, it's back to this resurgence of manual machines and makers. I would say though, that uh, like the whole, 
you know, with COVID in the back in 2020 and people got cut off from their, their life support, you know, like from the coffee and, and people, you know, some people really do need this stuff, you know, to, to function sure. and, and, or some people just have a relationship with it. And, and in all cases, you know, they got cut off and uh, that, I feel like that was a, a, a big boom for just anybody that's making these uh, home, home uh, coffee and espresso products, uh, getting those into the hands of people that are at home and working from home and, and don't have the access. And so, for sure, uh, the last couple of years have been great and, and, and a big, um, uh, yeah, a big boom for everybody that that's making these kind of home products. And now it's people are getting back out and they're kind of mixing it up. Uh, and then you have inflation uh, and the war and everything else that's going on that's that's getting, you know, it's starting to cause everybody a bit, a bit more caution. Um, cautionary what they're spending. So I would say uh, that it's, it's kind of slowing back a little bit there as well. Uh, but with flair and the products, uh, I would say, getting back to your question, I think it was more about, you know, if you go back to the Kickstarter days, um, it was, it was about how, how much is really needed to make a good espresso? Like what can we strip down your, your average espresso machine to just the basics and, you know, more of in the, the, the soul of like a, a filter or a drip people use like the V sixties uh, and any of these other brewers, it was kind of like, we could do that with espresso, you know, and, and hadn't been done in a while. Um, there were some products, but trying to kind of strip it down and, and come out with a product that was as affordable as you could, you could get to make legit espresso. Um, I think that was that was sort of the the, the the initial impetus of the product and and the company was to just how how cheap can we do this and not sacrifice not compromise and so the original uh, Kickstarter I think they were selling for one hundred and thirty five dollars you know the, the the classic and obviously with you know supply chains and everything being what it is we've had to and and the cost of uh, materials and getting all that it's it's come up a little bit but still like one hundred thirty five dollars a legit espresso was 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 pretty um, unfathomable, I think, at the time. And it was still cheaper than what was already out there um, as far as, you know, Rock and, and some of the others that were making good espresso. So, And I agree that the, the Flare 58, obviously the 58-millimeter portafilter that comes with it, it it's it just takes it to that next level of, of getting a full professional shot of, 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 of espresso coming out of that machine and, and being the quality it is. Andrew, what's the branding of Flare like? I mean, obviously you're the, you're the face of Flare, you're everywhere on YouTube. You're on Instagram. You're very active. What's been the strategy for you, pulling, uh, trying to help promote the company and the machines? Education. I think that's been so. I, I look at myself as an educator, and so from the get go, I I felt like I was I was there to try to help our customers get to a, to better espresso, but also uh, to be a resource to anyone. Um, you know, like we have our YouTube channel, and I during during. Um, the pandemic, we were running hour-long classes to anybody that was picking up a espresso machine direct from us. And I would, you know, those classes could be anywhere between 10 and 20. And then afterwards, we put them on YouTube and, you know, just label them as beginner uh, espresso, uh, you know, I don't know, guide to espresso, that sort of thing. And I, I find a lot of people are watching that that aren't even uh, Flare customers yet or, or at all. And they learn something from that, I hope. Uh, so it's more about delivering value, providing education, uh, have, having people, you know, especially like I said earlier, uh, people that I feel like baristas, they get great training on the equipment that they have in the cafe, but I feel like they don't all get the support and the education they need 
to like understand the fundamentals of espresso, the theories. And that's kind of what we're trying to do is, is, is to give people the basics. If you learn how to make espresso with a flair, because of all the variables that are under your control that you have to master, you know, everything from temperature to uh, pressure to, you know, the puck prep. Once you master that, I think you can go to any machine because you've learned the fundamentals, you learn the basics. Whereas I don't think it's, it goes the other way. I think someone who has this expensive equipment in the, uh, you know, and somebody trained them up on it and said, hey, just stay grinding in this range and, and use these ratios. And they, they get really good at that. But, but if, if you kind of give them a whole new system, a whole new, uh, you know, grinder equipment, they, they might struggle with it because they never really figured it out from scratch. Uh, so, so I guess, you know, as far as like what's been our mission and our goal is, is to teach people about coffee, about espresso, uh, just from the ground up and give them the tools they need, whether it's, you know, we see that as well, you know, they start with a flare and then they move up to other machines and that's awesome. And they, and I, I think without having spent that time with our product, they probably wouldn't be making as good of espresso with that other machine as well, just because they, they started from, you know, understanding how every little variable makes a difference in the, uh, the output, the result. And, and we know that we, we've talked a little bit about the flare, the, the 58X, but you have three other products in the line that, that don't do the 58 millimeter, but still pull amazing shots as well. What are those aimed for, for the market? Yeah, that's a good question. So as, as I mentioned earlier on, we, we try to have a product for every category, for every, every affordability. And we like to look at it, I think James Hoffman uh, called it like an ecosystem, which is a great way to describe it because the, the goal is to, to meet you where you are with your current situation. You know, you might be in the dorm room and, and you might want espresso and, and you don't have a lot of space. And that's where like our products really go and shine in like small apartments, small dorm rooms. In fact, uh, one of our, one of our new employees, Tanner Colson, uh, from Tanner Colson Coffee on Instagram, we picked him up, and he was he was rocking in his uh, dorm room, and he had a very limited space and a small desk, and he had to work from, and you know, so like compartmentalizing and smaller, you know, having having products like this is great for that type of person, someone who has a limited budget, right? Like grinders, a good grinder, it, it's shocking, I think, for a lot of people to find out that a good grinder can cost you two fifty, three fifty, four hundred for espresso, anyways. Like you really have to to get a quality grinder that is able to control, um, you know, down to the microns, the, the size of your, your spread of your coffee. And, and a lot of these grinders only have maybe 15 or 20 clicks. And when you do that, you don't have enough, you have a range, right? You can go from quote unquote Turkish or espresso all the way up to French press. But once you get in the ballpark, you can't make small adjustments anymore because that next click is going to throw you out and you're going to get another 15 seconds or 20 seconds of, uh, of a shot and maybe no pressure at all. And so we try to, so say you come in and you don't have a big budget. Well, the Neo is perfect for that. That's our, that's our, um, our lowest priced product. And, and the idea there is you're using a pressurized portafilter, which we call the flow control. And the goal is, you know, get the best coffee you can. And if you don't have the, you know, a great grinder, you should still be able to make a good espresso out of it. And hopefully when you get the money to, uh, to, to step up to a better grinder, well, now you can swap out that pressurized portafilter with a non-pressurized portafilter and you can play with your, your dose and your grind and really get the pressure based on that. And then of course you modulating the lever. Uh, and then that would be, say, you're moving into the classic now. The classic is, is pretty much the Neo. Um, say they use the same brew heads, it's just a portafilter that really changes and, you know, some cosmetics and looks. And then you want to step up from there. You go into the signature. Signature includes 
the uh, pressure gauge. And you can always add the pressure gauge to the Neo or the, uh, the Classic, but until you're actually, we don't recommend the pressure gauge for someone who's still using the pressurized portafilter because it's really not you in control. It's that um, mechanical restrictor that's controlling the flow. But once you get into a bottomless portafilter or a non-pressurized portafilter, which we, uh, we offer with the Classic and the Signature, now you're controlling these things. And so you step into the Signature and it, it's got a nice premium feel, copper um, plated portafilter. Uh, it looks a bit like the Pro. It's got that gauge. And, uh, you know, from there, you want a little bit more volume. You go step up to the Pro. The Pro has uh, from the 40 mil. Uh, 40 millimeter um, portafilter, you move into the 46 millimeters. So you can put more coffee. I think the most people find that they're, they're maxing out at 16, 17 grams, depending on the coffee that you're using with the Neo classic and signature with the smaller baskets. But once you jump into the pro, I mean, you can get into 20, 22 grams, depending on the coffee. So you have that and then more volume, uh, the actual brew cylinder holds more water. So you can get bigger shots, uh, out of the pro. So I'd say like you're maxing out at 35, 37 grams out with the, with the standard portafilter. And then when you jump into the pro, you'll be able to max out at say 55 um, grams out. You know, we're talking the espresso, the yield there. And then from the pro, you jump into the 58. So we have like the five, the five different products. And again, it's, it's sort of like your budget and whether or not you have a grinder that can, can do the work for you or whether you need the, um, the pressurized portafilter to do the work for you. And let me say, if, if you're just going to do it, do it right. Get the, <laughs> get the 58. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I uh, mean, I, and, and I know that the, you all have the other product line and this is me speaking. I'm not, I'm not talking for flair, but just, just talking from, from someone that makes coffee daily and, and been around it for a while now. Um, if you're going to do it, just do it, you know, with the Flare 58. Um, I, I got to just say, it, it's it's a good product. Um, it, it really is. It's fun. It's interesting. Um, it, it, it's not hard at all. It, it's a unique process. Oh, I'll give you that. Let's be fair. It's not easy. It's not It's not hard. But it's, <laughs> And so so it's funny because we have, uh, we have a little uh, insider rivalries or jokes uh, between the team. We've got Team Pro and Team 58 here at Flare. We have we have a few uh, team members that still, pr- you know, prefer the Pro over the the 58. And, really? Uh, yeah. Well, so with the deeper basket, the smaller basket, um, it's also deeper. So you're getting, you're packing in that same 18 grams, say, on a Pro, in a a taller pile of coffee versus like the 58, where it's spread thin across a wider basket. And with that, it, it requires, uh, you know, the grinder itself. Uh, it, it, it's more demanding on the grinder. It's more demanding on you and your puck prep. Uh, we always say that the deeper, the deeper baskets uh, and the taller piles of coffee basically are more forgiving. If you do have a channel or something that, that opens up, it usually heals itself or you have a, enough coffee, like a depth of coffee that it, it's not likely that that channel is going to run from the top to the bottom. But when you have a really thin cake like you do on a 58 and you, you get a fissure or a break, that you can just like pour water right through that pretty easily. Uh, and, and so, yeah, you can – I would say the 58 is more challenging, certainly more challenging than the other products. And so for some people, if they want – you know, you want to go to shot of espresso, but you also don't want to um, – I think you get more, more good shots from, say, like the Pro or the Standard – than you would on the 58 just because you really have to be on your game and you have to have a better espresso grinder with the 58. So I wouldn't recommend it for everybody. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll give Andrew this one, but if you want, <laughs> if you want to be snob like myself, you get the 58. 
And this way you're, you're making more, uh, you know, there, there is more risk, obviously prepping yeah. it. Um, there, there's a lot more variances that if you, if you don't have the right grinder, if you're not prepping it right. I would say if you're, if you have other people in the house that you're making espresso for the 58 is definitely the way to go because it's much easier to go back to back shots. Uh, the thermal stability of the electronics make it so that you don't have to really focus on the next shot and the next shot and the next shot, keeping everything hot. Also that, that handle, like, you know, the portafilter has a handle. It's easy to like bang out your puck and keep going. There's less hands-on. You don't have to, you know, with the, with the other, the standard in the pro, you, you assemble and disassemble the brew group, you know, for each shot with the 58 it's locked in. You're just locking in a portafilter and filling it up and pulling the lever. So if you're doing back-to-back shots, 58 is definitely the way to go. Um, definitely. Andrew, er, er, no, no. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, you're you're the education guy. I, I'm just I'm just looking at it in the point of view where I'm like, hey, man, 58's the way to go here. <laughs> but but you guys have a lineup, like James said, it's it's an ecosystem of different products for different kinds of people, different workflows as well. So whatever fits your your need, there, there are three five different price points. All of them make delicious espresso. Um, Andrew. Yeah. Every, Go ahead. Sorry, no, no, just go ahead. jump in real quick. The one thing I don't think I sewed up on that ecosystem idea was uh, when you so say you buy the classic and you start with a smaller brew head, you can go from brewing with the classic to brewing with the pro, and that's where the ecosystem you can you can basically start with the classic and then you can add the signatures um, PGK we call it the pressure gauge kit, and then you're brewing like the signature, and then say you want more volume, more shots, bigger shots, you can basically upgrade to the pros brew head and then you can just use the classics brew sta- um, uh, lever stand for the, br- the the pro brew head so you won't have say the the look of the pro but you'll have the same um you know in terms of like the copper and and the black and the the stainless steel two two-piece tray you could always add all that but you can you can you can basically dress up your classic to a pro if you wanted to so that's kind of where the ecosystem comes into place you can't jump from a standard or a pro to the 58 it's a completely different frame and and yeah everything you know the mechanics and you so, know, to so, have that so there's over. growth at the bottom part of it but not necessarily yeah. up all the way to yeah. the 58 you can step up so that was the idea is get you where you, meet you where you are so say you have the budget for a classic start there and then and from there you can you know build and and uh, upgrade your system as as money comes in and or your desire to you know go bigger Every time I've talked to you, and it's been a, uh, just a little while here. We, we haven't known each other for a long time, but I'm always kind of uh, excited to talk with you because I, I can feel that passion of what you bring and uh, that excitement to, to the brand itself. What, what is it with, with, uh, with, with Flair that makes it so fun? Because every time I talk to you, you, you it always sounds like you're, you're enjoying it. It's not, I mean, work is work. I get that, but you, you're enjoying this. <laughs> well, hopefully every, yeah. I mean, the goal is right for everybody is to enjoy what you do. And, and certainly as you, as you uh, opened up and, and mentioned, like I've been a home brewer, a home roaster uh, for 20, you know, 20 years and more. It's just, I don't know where it came. I guess uh, the, the family business, we had a restaurant business in the family since, and it's still going on Italian restaurant business. And I remember seeing my grandfather had this this very gaudy big gaja uh with his name on it and uh, th- that that sat in the kitchen or in the i should say in the um the dining room and i remember i don't know maybe that's kind of got me hooked on espresso where the passion kind of started was sort of in the family i remember making terrible terrible cappuccinos and espresso for my family with like a krups 
which was like a steam espresso maker, you know, one of those oh, you wow. get the garage sale. Yeah. Just the, the worst. I mean, not only was the machine bad, but obviously the coffee I was using back then. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, and, and they would all drink it with a smile and, and, and begrudge it for me. But I don't know. I just have always had that passion in, in that. And so, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, my, my time in coffee only started with flair and it's been, it's been great for me because I'm an educator and I enjoy having that, um, that opportunity to educate and to share and, and to build community. And so that's kind of where it comes from as well, that passion. But uh, you know, the, what the, what the flair system offers is the people that want to get closer to their coffee and same with roasting. I think that's a nice connection there too, is uh, if you want more of a connection and, and really get your hands into it, you, you have that opportunity. If you're, if you're just pushing buttons, I feel like you just don't, you don't, you know, like you said, you feel it out with, with the flair. And so there's just this hands-on. If you're, if you're someone that enjoys crafts, if you enjoy building things, if you enjoy DIY, if you enjoy, you know, I used to break things apart just to, I could put it back together. And I feel like there's this really visceral sort of, um, connection with making coffee with these manual brewers, whether it's, you know, espresso makers or any of the others. And that's what I gravitate to. You won't find too many. Yeah. You won't find any. actually. I, like, I couldn't uh, agree with you more. Andrew, where can people find more about flair? Well, we're best found is on Instagram. I mean, that's kind of like where it started and where you can still DM us uh flair espresso maker there. You'll find um, at, YouTube and Facebook and TikTok. It's just Flare Espresso. We couldn't couldn't get Instagram Flare Espresso for some reason. So yeah, just DM us there. Find us at uh, if you if you have the product, you have questions, or you want to get more information. Flareespresso.com. Uh, use the contact or the chat widget, and you can get to us directly as well there. Andrew, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. I I have been nothing but grateful for for Flare yourself and. Uh, uh, an amazing product and and uh, I'm, I'm very just happy to see where it's going and i can't wait to see more of it well thanks for the opportunity to talk eric it's been a good time as well appreciate absolutely. you absolutely absolutely and don't forget to subscribe and get lost in the conversation about everything coffee podcasts on apple spotify or anywhere else you get your podcast visit us at javas jaxi j-a-v-a-s-j-a-x-i-e on instagram and youtube and thank you for joining us and supporting local businesses in your city and around the world